0: So, uh, a little about me, um, I've been in youth ministry the past few years, uh, I, probably the past six years, full-time in, for two years uh, in Crossville, Tennessee, and I'm not going to get into the story of church planting in my life because it's just kind of boring, um, but I will say that God is just really, really good, and I believe that God, I believe if you're very near to God right now, we praise, we praise Him for that, but I'm also not ignorant to the fact that there are people in here right now sitting here going, man, God, you know, who is that, what is that? What is this being? What is this thing that you keep talking about? And so I'm going to try to try to take this passage this morning and not make it over our heads because it's it's quite it's quite the passage. I mean, it's one verse. um, It's pretty much up in the clouds kind of verse. We're going to kind of bring it down, Um, but it is good news. I promise you, it's really really good news. So, um, and I promise. I think the Predators play at two o'clock today, so we'll be out of here by one thirty, (laughs) one forty-five, no doubt. Ephesians 2 verse 6. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 is where we're going to be this morning. I believe that's page 568 in the Bibles. If you don't have one, you can get up and grab one. They're located on our community tables. Page 568. So this year, we've kind of had this theme of intimacy. Like how we kind of kicked off this year as being a year 2017 of intimacy with God, intimacy in Christ. And so we had, uh, a few months ago, we did this 30 days of prayer and fasting. We met at different locations, just really trying to say, okay, God, like we, we either believe in you and we love you and we want more of you, or God, we want to know who you are. We want to believe in you. God, we just, we want, we want you. We want you to show up and we want you to do this. And that was a great season. And then Easter Sunday was fantastic. Um, Larkin really brought it home, t- talking about the gospel of Jesus through the eyes of Thomas, the doubter, you know, he kind of gets that, that baggage. But the idea that, man, believing in Jesus, it's just not as easy as just reading Scripture and going, oh, that's it. That's that's how it goes. It's hard. It's something hard. It's something to dig into. And then before that, we've been in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 1, kind of taking our time, setting it up. And so uh, we've got a podcast that you can go back through and listen to, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time. But I'm not going to jump right into verse 6 without touching on some of chapter 1 and chapter 2. So a little bit about chapter 1. Um, I'm just gonna highlight some of the words that Paul is talking about in this letter that's circulating uh, around uh, the people of Ephesus. Just some of these words, these phrases, in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship. Praise be to God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He chose us. In him we were chosen. We have this idea of redemption throughout chapter one. Paul is basically saying, for those of us that believe in Jesus, here's who we are in Christ. It's not just this act of saving, it's here's who we are. And then you look at chapter two and chapter two takes like a radical turn, right? Chapter two starts off, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. Verse three, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. And so you have this this paradox. It's like chapter one is beautiful. God, we want more of chapter one. Chapter two is like, Paul, we don't want any, any of this mess. But to kind of clean some of it up, I think it's so important. Because I believe Satan is not this red scaly uh, being with the pitchfork that everybody tries to, ooh, you know, it's Satan. I believe Satan wants to be your best friend. He comes in, he puts his arm around your back and he just try to whispers these little nothings about who you really are, about who you are identified with. And Satan will just twist and turn and accuse and he just does these things and he does them every day. And I believe Paul is saying, no, 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 no. No, when you believe in Jesus, you used to live this way. You were dead, but through the resurrection of Jesus, who took on our sins on the cross, the resurrection of Jesus on the third day, on that Sunday, no more. No more sins bogging you down. You have the forgiveness of Jesus. You have the blood that is this continual cleansing property. And so in verse six, we have this, uh, this, this unique verse. I'm gonna read it a couple times through. So if you're with me, Ephesians 2, verse six. Start in verse verse four, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, in um, your backgrounds or where you come from, I've kind of pretty much been a part of a church since you know my family raised me up in the church. So I'm probably going to have a different perspective. Um, but for a long time, I've always heard that Jesus died for you so that you could live with Him, right? I mean, if if you grew up in church, you may have heard that. If you're not familiar with that, that's okay. But I always kind of okay, I get this idea that Jesus saved us, and Jesus saves us. I, I'm, I'm kind of growing up. That's what I just kind of kind of understood. But I'm not sure that I ever really understood. The impact of Jesus saving and cleansing properties, lifting us up out of the grave, okay, and now we are saved, and then seating us in the heavenly realms. I don't know about you. God has been putting on my heart this week, in the past couple weeks, this idea that it's not just the, the fact that you have been saved if you believe in Jesus, but it's the fact that you are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, you know, I don't think I ever really just kind of sit there and thought, oh, wow, that's got, that's like a next step. That's like the next level. So we're just going to try to walk through this verse uh, this morning. For starters, why did Paul say sit? Why did Paul say sitting with Jesus? Because I just, I think that's important. I just, I think we, I really want to dwell on that this morning. I think sitting is easy. I think it'd be a lot different uh, sermon and lesson this morning if you were all standing up, <laughs> you know? It's gonna wear you down a little more. You're gonna be more tempted to walk out the back door, grab some coffee. Uh, sitting brings you to a place of peace and rest. So when I come in from work and I'm tired, you know, and I'm, I'm not necessarily gonna grab a shower yet, maybe grab some water, I sit down, I exhale, let the day kind of, you know, wash over you. Sitting is nice, it's comfortable, it's comfortable. I mean, even you think of one of the most uncomfortable chairs, I'd still rather sit than stand, right? You think of, now take it a step further. If you think of like, like if you're in a coffee shop with someone, if you're sitting there with them, what does that have to say about you in in their relationship? I think it says, I have time for you. Like I'm sitting with you. Even if it's for 30 minutes, I've got time to be with you. We've got time to connect. We've got time to relate. This idea of sitting, uh, I believe it changes your perspective. I believe, I believe that Paul said sit, for, for example, because especially in our culture where we're busy, busy, busy and going, hey, some of you, and this is the way it is, some of us hadn't even sat very much this week. <laughs> like we're in here on Sunday morning sitting and it's like, oh, it's kind of nice. This is, this is a change of pace for me. But I think sometimes, at least for me, when I think of like Jesus and the mission of God as a follower of Jesus, I think of doing. And for me, this is a very interesting passage, which Paul doesn't say, don't, don't get up and go. Don't go do a bunch of things. You have been saved with Jesus, resurrected with him, and now you're sitting with him in the heavenly realms. I think it's this idea of unimaginable peace that Jesus washes over us as we're able to sit. I believe that God really wants to spend time with us. That's why this whole idea of intimacy, it's really, Ephesians is a deeply spiritual book, but this is a very, very practical thing that God wants time with you. And for those of you that don't know about God, if you're not sure about God, He still loves you. He loves you at your worst. He will always love you at your worst. Whether you choose to follow him or not, he will still love you. We can't wrap our mind around an idea like that because we don't have a person that looks like that, right? That's why Jesus is so special. To come down as he was sitting in his heavenly realm, to come down to earth, to live among us, to do a lot of different things that he probably didn't wanna do. He talked to a lot of people that didn't wanna be talked to. Definitely didn't wanna see him as a Jewish man talking to them and he lived a completely different life. So as the disciples are following Jesus and learning, don't you know that their perspective is being changed? See, I feel like that's what's happening here. I feel Paul Paul's like, when you sit with Jesus, when you have been raised up, and not just raised, not just saved, but you are seated with Christ, you can stop, you can reflect, and it will change your perspective. It's this idea of walking in the coffee shop And if you go in there and go in there and grab one, you know, and real fast say, hi, how are you doing? I got to go. That's a completely different perspective than going in, grabbing one, sitting down, talking, looking at different people, getting back up and getting a donut or something. That's what I would do if I was there, clearly, you know, and then you sit back down. You see what I'm saying? It's this idea of reflection. It's this idea of being identified with Jesus. That's why I, I, I think Paul means that. I think Paul wants you to come from a place of rest and peace with Jesus if, you, if you're in your relationship, if you're stressed out, like if you feel that you're having to do too much for the Lord or if it's doing this or doing that, I don't want to sit here and be like, you're wrong. You know, I don't want to have that attitude. But I, I think our relationship with Jesus comes from a place of peace and a place of rest, a place of being seated. Look at the second part of the verse. <clears throat> and, God raised, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And so this is, this is going to take a little bit different turn. Uh, I remember when I used to work in the, uh, I, I worked for Rock Island State Park for a little bit. Um, I majored in wildlife and fishery science in college. So it's just really weird. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> yeah, some people are like, what does that even mean? I'm um, going to be a park ranger, uh, but God changed my mind. He changed my heart. But um, I loved it. One of the things we used to do, we used to do these trails and hikes and, and different things like that. And uh, what I always like to do, if I could, was get a hold of a map or go to an overlook of some place we were hiking. And I would say, it would be real simple. I'd say, okay, guys, you know, we're about to go on this hike, this journey, a couple miles, whatever, and here's where we're going to be going. And you could point and you could clearly see it. This is what we're going to be going. We're going to have to watch out for that rock, watch this stream. Like, here's where we're going to be making the journey. And I tried to get them to picture from where we were standing that spot, because once you get to that spot, it's going to look completely different. Maybe you've had this feeling. If you've been in an airplane, uh, I've never flown before, so there's a weird fact for the day, never flown. Uh, If you've been in an airplane and you've been going somewhere and you're flying in, you're like, oh, we're going to be there in a few minutes. And so you get there and then it's like, huh, where were we, right? It's this idea of having a huge perspective. I can see it. But once you get there and you start turning around going, where did we come from? That's kind of my feelings of this passage because I think it's really good looking up here. Like, this passage looks really good. It sounds good. It's just beautiful sitting and everything. But once I got to the practicality of it, I was going, God, where are we? <laughs> like, I, this does not look very familiar. And so I don't want to lose you in transition. I think just sometimes scripture just looks really confusing. But I don't think this is meant to be this way. So if I do that, I'm asking for your forgiveness right now, okay? So the second part of the verse <clears throat> this idea that we have been raised and seated. In the heavenly realms, raised and seated in the heavenly realms. I, I looked up some of the different theology, uh, definitely not a theologian, <laughs> no, uh, but I looked up some theology from, from different play, people and what scholars are saying. And some, people, some scholars are saying, okay, this, they're just talking about the spiritual world, this idea of just being seated in the spiritual realm, being aware of the spiritual realm. Uh, some people say, hey, this is actually heaven, like being seated in heaven. And so we're gonna kinda walk through and, and see the differences of that. Uh, in Philippians 2, or Philippians 3, I'm sorry, this is another uh, another letter that Paul wrote. By the way, just a crazy fact, these, both these letters, uh, Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and Philemon, I think, Paul wrote while being in prison. Uh, you talk about another per- perspective change. When you look at the wording and how much he loves God and loves Jesus, if I'm shackled in chains in prison, I'm not writing anything that's going to be in scripture, okay? It's not going to be pretty. But in Philippians 3, Paul gives us an idea of of this idea of heaven. And so I don't want this to be like a futuristic heaven thing because I think this can can apply now. Uh, But let's just try to to read through this together. Philippians 3, starting in verse 20. Paul says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. As Christians... We have this idea that we have been saved, resurrected, and seated, but that's not the whole picture, right? Uh, growing up, I used to think if you'd have said, hey, what's the goal of your life? Like, what's the goal? It's like, oh, it's to get to heaven. A lot of bad theology with that. We're not going to go into that right now. But that's, that's what I was thinking. Like, oh, the goal is to get to heaven. Because in heaven, there is goodness, there is love, there's no judgment. There's as much food as you want, I think. And God likes to eat. It's in Scripture. Like, there is a lot of goodness in heaven, and there's not anything bad. So my mind says, that's good. That's what I want. I'm not necessarily sure that the goal of our life is to necessarily get to heaven. One, because to get to heaven has nothing to do with you, realistically, from a, from a starting standpoint. It's unbelievable. No matter how good you are or no matter how hard you try, God, I want to be with you. Holy Spirit, move through me. It has nothing to do with you. It's this idea of the kingdom world, God fleshing himself and his son, being crucified, rising from the dead and saying, I choose you if you will follow me, if you will obey my commands. I love you. It is yours. It's just this crazy, just a different world from a lot of the different religions that are kind of out there. And that's what I love about Jesus. But Paul says this in Philippians 3, this idea that we are now citizens of heaven. And so it's this idea of citizens of heaven is to come, but we're also citizens right now. It's like we have our ticket punched, we've got our passports and we're going, but we're not there yet. Uh, I work at a paint store over uh, off an old in Old Hickory, And uh, we get a lot of people coming through there. And we've got a couple of people that are not, uh, they're not like full American citizens. Got a couple of workers that come in. And I just want to say something that is, you know, I've been learning through as my life as I've been going. Uh, I've been pretty sheltered as a white male in Tennessee (laughs) who hasn't flown before. You know, (laughs) there's a lot that I've got to learn. I did not know how hard it was to become a citizen in our country. Had no idea. Did not realize this until a, few, a couple of weeks ago, how hard it is to be a citizen in our country. I thought it was easy. Once again, ignorance and I apologize. But I was talking to this man and he is almost there to becoming a citizen in our country. And I was talking to him and of course, I'm already a citizen, right? So it's, I'm watching him and his face lit up, his eyes were full of joy and he was just telling me, he was like, hey man, here's what I've got to do to become a citizen. And he started telling me all the different things of the citizenship, by the way, There is a 100 question uh, test that you have to pass in order to be a citizen of the United States. And he was telling me some of those questions on there. I'm just gonna be honest. I don't think over 50% of America could pass that test. Like he told me a couple questions and I was like, oh, I got that one, I got that one. He was like, oh, what about this one? And he just said something. I was like, (laughs) USA, I don't know. I have no idea what that means. But when he was talking about the place where he would actually be 100% a citizen, he lit up, man. You could see and tell that he had wanted this for a long time. And I thought, man, first of all, I I don't know what that's like because I'm here. If I tried to move to a different country, I'd probably understand what that looks like. And then I thought, it's just like God was just kind of opening my heart. There's nothing we could do to get into the kingdom of heaven. There is nothing we can do to get in the kingdom of heaven. We can't buy it. We can't earn it. It cannot be done on our own accord. And God says, okay, this is the way it's gotta be. So he takes his son, punches his ticket and his blood is what purchases our seats in the heavenly realms. You ever thought of it that way? I mean, it was just been blowing my mind this week. Like there's nothing Cody can do. Like Cody wants to go plant a church and that's great. That doesn't get me into the kingdom, you know? You wanna sell everything you have, move to a different country and just serve the orphans and the poor. Like, that's great. That is, those are good things. That doesn't get you into the kingdom. Jesus gets you into the kingdom. And Paul says, before you do all these goodness, and because we're doing one verse over the next couple of weeks, Larkin or Joshua ever teaches, it's, it's gonna make a lot more sense. We're just kind of setting up the stage for a couple of weeks like you were created to do good works. But before you were created to do those things, you were loved by Jesus. If you follow Jesus, you are not just loved, not just saved, you are seated with Jesus in relationship. You know, there's that saying that, uh, you ever heard, there's like, there's no place like home. Yeah, you know know what I'm talking about? There's no place like home. Jared's with me, he's he's the only one nodding. Uh, There's no place like home. There's no place like going home and putting your feet up. And so while there's this idea that that's where we're going, I also think there's this idea of when Jesus came and his mission, Dave talked about this a few months ago, he was talking about this idea when Jesus was healing. Hey, there's no, there's no sickness in heaven. You know, when Jesus was going to people that were alone, loneliness, there's no loneliness in heaven. I'm gonna talk with you and be your friend. So there's this idea that we are not just citizens of the heaven that's to come, we're citizens of heaven right now. Filled with the Holy Spirit, re- resurrected and seated, so that when those of us around us look at us, they will see Jesus. But I think it must come from a place of peace and it must come from a place of rest. So, just a couple of big things like, why does this matter? Because, <laughs> like, we do this every Sunday, someone gets up and teaches, we're about to do communion in a minute. Why does this matter? Why is this important? You are not just saved in Christ. And for those of you thinking about following this Jesus train, you're thinking about God and what, listen to this. You're not just saved. You are seated. God does not want you just in his house. He wants you in his house and he's gonna sit with you at his table and talk with you. I firmly believe that. I do not believe we're just another number that goes up into heaven and God's like, hey, we're gonna do this, this, and this. I believe that God is intimate and I believe he wants that relationship with us now. So that later, when we're transformed, Philippians 3, when we're transformed into different bodies, it's going to be a party. I really believe that. You're not just saved, you're seated. We are citizens of a new place. We are citizens of a new place. We did nothing to get there, but we are citizens of a new place in Jesus Christ. Not only saved and seated, but we're also citizens bought by the blood of Jesus. Before we go to communion uh, and kind of of give you some thoughts. I wanna to try to make this a little bit practical. So in John 15, John chapter 15, is is just a great chapter. Jesus is about to die. Some of the last words he says with his followers. It's this idea, he says, uh, <clears throat> I am the vine and you are the branches. Remain in me. He says the word remain, in the, at least in the NIV translation, over eight times, about eight times. Remain in me. If you love me, remain in me. Remain in me. It's this idea of, hey, come sit with me. Before you get up and started and go into the work of the morning, before Satan tempts you, before your feet even hit the floor, wake up and say, you know what? I am seated with Christ. And I don't think that's an issue of pride. <laughs> I think it's letting scripture wash over you going, I'm seated with Jesus this morning. What you got, Satan? Seriously. Sometimes we just wake up and I do this a lot. I get up and go, oh God, what a day, man. I'm already late. I haven't had breakfast. I'm gonna have to eat twice as much lunch. Like it's already gonna be a terrible day, you know? How, radical, how radically different would that be if we woke up and said, you know what? I'm seated with Christ. And for those of us that, that aren't following Jesus, if we haven't put our hope in him, just waking up and saying, God, I want to know you. At least I think I do. I at least wanna try. I'm telling you, there, I believe in a God that if you start talking to him and you start, if you start asking him things, he's gonna show up. It's not gonna be maybe the way you think of it is, but he's gonna show up for sure. So this week, as we live this out, as we see what it means, before you do anything for Christ, before you do anything at all, just know that you're seated with him. Know that he loves you. You just got done with Easter, this idea of resurrection. Take it a step further. Paul says, you're not just resurrected, you're seated. You're seated with Christ. So we're about to take communion together. This is something we do every week. Um, we get up, we take the bread, uh, we take the cup. The bread symbolizes the body of Jesus. This is the body that was broken for us. And the cup is Jesus' blood. It's, it's the thing that has purchased our death and changed it into life. This is Jesus' body crucified for us. Uh, we have people that will be at the respond banner back there. Um, these are a couple of people that will be in red red little, what are those things called, little tags? Badges, I don't know. Uh, the red little badges, they'll be at the back. And so right now, because some of us are feeling really good and they're fine, you're gonna be worshiping and great. Some of us don't feel great. Some of us are suffering from physical pain. Hey, bring that to God. Take it back there and be like, I don't feel well right now. Will you pray for me? Some of you are, are going through something in your life and you're just you're, your Holy Spirit's maybe tagging on you. I don't wanna talk to anybody. I promise you, there's people back there would love to pray for you, love to talk to you. Um, so I mean, anything and all that you need, go back there and sit, or talk with somebody, talk with one of us uh, this morning. We're going to have the doors open, so when you take communion, you can go out and sit um, sit as well. And so I'm going to pray for us, and then uh, we'll be able to take communion. And uh, just a reminder, you can go to the center of the room, and kind of half of you can kind of come up here and go back around, and then the other half can, can go back around. Uh, if you haven't done this before, just kind of watch and follow. They'll, they'll, <laughs> they'll naturally show you what to do. Um, but man, before we, before we dismiss, I just want to give you a communion thought. For those of you that, that, that uh, are struggling this morning, just ask God. Just ask God what he wants. Ask God what he wants. For those of you that are doing really well, maybe you, didn't, maybe you hadn't thought about this, and you're seated with Jesus. And so as you go to communion, you're seated with Christ. Sit and reflect and meditate on that this morning. Let's pray for communion. God, we love you. Thank you so much for all that you've done. Jesus, we cannot thank you enough for all that you've given us. Uh, There's nothing we could do to understand these heavenly realms. Um, The fact that you came down from heaven, showing us what heaven will look like so that we can show others what heaven will look like. God, thank you for that. Thank you so much for that. Jesus, thank you for your body broken for us. Thank you for the blood that poured out that cleanses us daily, that continually cleanses us God, help us to know that we, that we can sit with you and that you wanna be intimate with us. You want a relationship with us. You want to love us and you will. Help us to see that this morning as we take this bread and take this cup. We lift your name high this morning, Jesus. Thank you. You are our king, you are our lion, and you are our lamb. It's in your name we pray, amen.